to the Church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to the God of all comfort. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. This is the word of God. Thank you, Douglas. Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be here again, sharing worship with you. Um, a number of us were up in Aberdeen last night, um, installing Dave as the new rector of my old church. Um, and it was a lovely, lovely time of worship and fellowship there. So, um, so we gather here this morning, and as we open God's Word, let's just uh, ask the Lord that he might speak to us and instruct us and encourage us in his word. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks, that you are a God who has given us your word to instruct us in the way to live. Father, we pray that now by your Holy Spirit, this familiar passage will become alive to us and that we believe you have something to say to each one of us. Open our ears that we may hear your voice and open our hearts to receive your love. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning's reading is from the second letter uh, of Paul to the Corinthians, and we're just going to look at particularly um, verses 3 to 7 in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Whatever we experience 
whenever we experience painful events in our lives, whether it's a matter of our health or maybe some other challenging situations, we often ask the question, why? Why is this happening to me? Why am I having to go through this? Is there some purpose to it? And the heading I've given this sermon is, there is purpose in the pain. Sometimes the pain can be so great that we, we cannot really see any purpose to what is happening to us in our lives. And as we reflect upon our life, we know that we all suffer physical, emotional pain from time to time. Maybe we lose a job, we have a broken friendship. Sometimes our marriages become broken by sin. Sometimes we lose a loved one and we begin to grieve. And the waves of sorrow and pain can break over us and we can feel overwhelmed and alone. And we feel that no one really understands how we are feeling. St. Paul gives us an indication that there is a purpose even in the pain. Even though we may, like Paul, face the pain of rejection, opposition, and challenge, he teaches us that, that he himself, the apostle, knew pain in his life. And he sees here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he gives us an answer to the question, is there a purpose? Is there a purpose in the pain? It was C.S. Lewis who said in his book, The Problem of Pain, he said this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Well, the Apostle Paul knew all about the pain and suffering um, that he received as he traveled the, 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 the Middle East preaching the gospel of Christ. And I'm sure that the church in Corinth gave Paul many sleepless nights because his heart, he had such a heart for the Corinthian church, and he poured out his heart to them. Paul here records, and we have recorded here, two letters that Paul sent to the Corinthians. We call it 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. But we know that there is at least another letter that he did write that hasn't been preserved. We know this because in the letter we have designated as 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. Paul says this, I wrote to you in my letter, not so he's obviously written a letter that we don't uh, we, we don't know about. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. 
And so the natural supposition is that Paul must have written a letter to the church before he wrote the first letter to the Corinthians. And now he's clarifying that statement and maybe reminding them. You know what I said in that letter about doing that? I just want to remind you. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 3 and 4, let me read it to you. He says, I wrote as I did. I wrote out of great distress and anguish of heart with many tears. And this is often called the sorrowful letter, the letter that Paul wrote um, expressing his grief and his sadness. And things were going on in the Corinthian church that caused Paul to feel so deeply saddened by what was happening there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, referring again to his conversations with them in that very first letter that we, we don't have preserved for us. He says this in 2 Corinthians 7, verses 8 to 9. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. So Paul is now here speaking to the Corinthians about, well, what, what is it? It's one of the most intense passages in Scripture on the matter of comfort, how God comforts us in our pain. If you look at verses 3 to 7, you will see that the word comfort is used in some form or other 10 times in five verses. 10 times is a lot to mention that single word in five verses. In verse 3, God is the God of all comfort. In verse 4, God is the God who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can bring comfort to others with the comfort we receive from God. In verse 5, he says, Just as our suffering grows, so also our comfort abounds. And then in verse 6, If we are distressed, it is for your comfort. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. And in verse 7, he says that as you share in our sufferings, so you share in our comfort. It's a passage, very, a very intense passage on how, you know, God um, not only knows our, our pain, but enables us to comfort others who are likewise in pain. So what does the word comfort mean? It is more than just a pat on the back saying, um, don't worry, 
everything will be all right. Maybe you've had one of them recently. It's okay, don't worry about it. It'll all work out and you say, thanks very much. That's really helpful, isn't it? No sense of empathy. But it doesn't mean that. It means something different. The word comfort, according to Tom Wright, former Bishop of Durham, in his commentary on this passage, may I read it out to you? He says this in his commentary on, one, on 2 Corinthians. To be comforted, or the word comfort means to call someone near to you, to make a strong appeal or exhortation. He goes on. The word suggests the idea of someone coming alongside another, speaking words of encouragement which will change their mood and their situation, or instilling hope and strength into another in such a way that makes a difference to the way that person faces the next day or week or year. And so he goes on, so put all those things in a bottle and shake it up and you end with the word comfort. So yes, we can console one another and bring consolation with kind words to one another. Tom Wright goes on to put it like this. The word Paul uses here, the word comfort, over and over again, speaks of meeting people where they are and brings them right on to the point where they are strong enough to see new hope, new possibilities, and new ways forward. So it's not just a matter of somebody going through pain and you go up and you pat them on the back and you say, I'm sure it'll all be okay, and then you walk away. To be a comforter, as Tom Wright says, is more than that. It is to come alongside another person and encourage, put courage into another person when they most need it. And we know that the word we have here for comfort is the Greek word paraklesis, from which we get the word paraclete. And we know the paraclete is the Holy Spirit, the one who is called alongside us to encourage us and strengthen us. So when God comforts us, he's doing more than just simply saying, they're there, Ian. I know you're having a rough time. It's all going to be okay. It's much more than that. God comes and walks alongside us, walks with us through that pain, through that suffering, encouraging us, putting strength into us so that we can face the future. I was speaking um, to a, a, a friend of mine in West Hill last night, and she was telling me that, that the doctors had diagnosed her with cancer. And I said, how are you feeling 
about that. She said, well, I'm not looking forward to what I need to go through, but God will be with me. And we were talking about how God, yes, is not taking her out of it, but walking with her through it. And she was really comforted by that, that whatever the pain, God doesn't always take us out of that situation or that pain, but he comes into that place where we're standing, what we're experiencing, and he brings his love and his grace and his comfort to us. Now, Paul knew all about this comfort that God speaks of because he is speaking of himself as a minister of the gospel. And he is not sitting up in some theological ivory high tower expressing his theological views on the matter of suffering. He's actually talking about his, out of his own experiences. And one of the reasons that Paul wrote this second letter to the Corinthians was to address those who were seeking to undermine his authority and his apostleship. And do you know what they were saying? Look how Paul has suffered. He cannot be a true apostle because if he were a true apostle, he would not be suffering as he is. And what Paul is saying is exactly because I am suffering that I show myself to be a true apostle of Christ because I am following the way of Christ, the way of the cross. So in verse 8, Paul goes on to share something of what he has gone through. This is what he says in, in verse 8. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You see, Paul is saying to, him, saying to the Corinthians, I don't want you to be uninformed about us. He doesn't want them to be deceived by the gossip that was surrounding his ministry or the things his opponents were saying against him. He's talking about the troubles that he experienced in Asia. And we know some of that trouble that he was hard-pressed on every side, that he suffered rejection, he suffered opposition, and he even felt that he was at the point of death, of death. The force of these sufferings caused him to feel that he couldn't go on. I mean, it's interesting when you look at Paul and you think, whoa, he's a great man of God. A mighty soldier of Christ. And yet here is a man who said there were times when I got to the point where I felt I just could not go on. 
We were under such great pressure, he says, far beyond our ability to endure, that we despaired of life itself. Such dark days, as he reaches out to the church, he is saying, I am speaking to you out of my own experience. So what is the purpose? He comes on to explain in verse 4, part of the purpose is that we might come alongside those who need comfort, that we might be able to draw close to and alongside those who are suffering so we can take what God has given us in the way of comfort and blessing and share it with another. My dad, um, we were not brought up in a Christian home in Glasgow. We, um, my dad used to work all the, all the hours of the day. And he was a man who saw great suffering in his life. He had many children die in young, as young babies. He had a son who was killed at the age of 23. He saw his own wife um, die from Huntington's, and he saw some of his children likewise die from Huntington's. And do you know the thing that happened that I noticed about my dad? See, when someone was bereaved, say somebody in the street, and I remember this particular the man next door who likewise lost a son in a motorcycle accident. That man knocked on my dad's door. Out, out, out of all the doors along that street, he knocked on Danny Ferguson's door. And it was because, although my dad was a man of few words, he was a man of great empathy. And that man knew that my dad knew how he felt because he too had lost a son. And this is what Paul is trying to say. Comfort one another with the comfort that God has comforted you with. In verse 19, another reason why there is a purpose in pain is not only that we might comfort one another, but that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Sometimes maybe life comes, we become so self-sufficient, everything is going fine, and we, we don't need to rely too much on God. We have a good job that pays, we're in good health, and so on, and we can easily become complacent and treat God like a little extra, a little accessory, to our lives until God brings us to a place where we realize we desperately need Jesus to get us through. It's a challenge, isn't it, for each one of us when we face trials, when we have suffering and pain, to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, in my pain, what are you trying to teach me? And in my pain, help me to 
to, to focus on you, to cry out to you. And we know that the Lord will always come and he will always comfort. And when we're in that place of brokenness and need, then God loves to come alongside us as the paraclete, as the encourager, as the one who comes alongside of us. So Paul talks about this amazing comfort with which he wants the Corinthians to comfort one another with the comfort they have been comforted with by God. He wants to know, to, to, for them to realize that not only did he, he, he was so desperate when he was facing such suffering that he cried out to God and it caused them to run to God and to say, Lord, help me, help me. But there was more. He says in verse uh, 11, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. Here is Paul saying, not just, he's almost looking to say, you know, in this comfort where we are comforting one another, do you know one of the great things that, that, that is powerful in helping us to be comforted is the prayer of God's family. It's when we pray for one another and when we encourage one another. I have been so blessed by the prayer life of St. Thomas's uh, attending last month's evening prayer, as I will this evening, showed me how you are enabling your brothers and sisters near and far, those who are suffering, those who are serving the Lord, your prayers help them. Your prayers comfort them. Sometimes we receive news from those on the front line of mission work and they face many trials and pains and opposition, just as Paul did. And they can say, and God will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. And isn't that a wonderful thing? That you will help us. You're helping those who are facing trials and, and difficulties and opposition. You're comforting them through your prayers. You may not be over there where, wherever they are, but through your prayers, you're bringing the strength and the presence of God. And the place of the prayer meeting and the prayer ministry within the church is so vital. It is not to be seen as a little added extra during, say, communion when we say, if you would like prayer, please come to the front and we'll pray for you at that time. It's a vital part of comforting and strengthening one another in the act of worship. I remember many occasions when people would come forward for prayer, often in pain, anxiety. And as they received prayer, even during that communion service that they were at, you see the wonderful things that God does through the power of prayer. And I've seen people come forward in distress and anxiety, and I've seen 
their hearts just lifted through being encouraged by prayer of, uh, through their brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this great passage that Paul speaks about of comfort is so important because in this church this morning, there are people who need to be comforted. There are people who are carrying loads and heaviness and weights that maybe nobody else knows about. And they're coming here on this Sunday morning. And I would encourage you to bring whatever burdens you are carrying, bring them to the Lord. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, all who are laden, heavy laden, I will give you rest. You know, whatever you came in with, don't go out with it. Leave it at the cross of Christ. Let Christ minister through communion, through prayer, because this is what we are about as a church. May you comfort one another with the comfort that you have received. You know, you may sit there and think, I don't have much to give in this way of serving Christ. I don't have much to give in the way of building God's kingdom. You're wrong. You're wrong. What you bring to the mission of Christ is yourself and your experiences of God, which is unique to you, but which needs to be shared to others. Because I know as a pastor for many years how people would just sit in silence, just, you know, bearing their, their load on, you know, just carrying it on their own. And sometimes when you see God say, say to them, come on, let me lift up that burden from you through your brothers and sisters in Christ as they pray for you, as they minister to you. You have got so much to give. There may be somebody who you're sitting next to even at this very moment. And maybe, I know, maybe it's just a word that you will say that will change their day. Maybe God will say to you, why don't you go and pray for that person? You know they're struggling. You don't need to make a song and dance about it. You can say, come over here, we'll just have a little prayer. You'll never know just what a blessing that is. What a blessing that is. And um, if that's you, then I would encourage you now to um, just bring yourself to God in prayer. And we're going to do that now um, as I lead you now in a prayer where you can bring whatever your need is to God knowing that he is the God of all comfort. So let us pray. It is wonderful to know today that God loves us, that God knows us, that he knows the very pain that you're carrying. He knows the anxiety on your heart. He knows those prayers you have prayed and it's been like just hitting a brick wall. 
He knows every single detail of your life. And he loves you. And whatever you're going through, he not only knows, but he comes to comfort you, to stand beside you, to speak into your heart this morning when he says, I know all that you have gone through. I know the pain you carry. I know the things that you hold. I know the burdens that are pressing heavy upon you. That situation that you're anxious about, that loved one that you've been praying for for so long, that one who is on your mind now who is going through some serious health issues, God knows. And he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So come in prayer to him. Loving Father, thank you for your love to us. And we come, we bring ourselves to you. We thank you for the comfort that you give to us and the comfort we receive in this fellowship of your people. When we leave this house of prayer, Father, lead us to those who need to experience your comfort. Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe a friend, maybe it's a phone call we need to make or a wee note that we need to write. Use us, Father, this coming week to bring the comfort you have comforted us with to those who need your comfort. And this we would ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.